Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Far Post Perth, powered by Outside90.com. Hello and welcome along to another edition of the Far Post Perth podcast in association with Outside 90. My name is Neil Sherwin and I'm joined again this week by Donna Jeffrey and Blaine Treadgold. Guys, how are we all doing? Good, how are you, Neil? Blaine? Yeah, no yeah. complaints really. Back at the back cave. Is that what this is? Oh. Okay. Alrighty. Um, lots to talk about. <laughs> it's been about four weeks since we last did a podcast and since then... Things have, have escalated in uh, in Western Australia in terms of football governance and games being played and all that fun stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna talk through it all. Um, first up, though, we'll we'll stick to matters more general and talk about the A League. And the, obviously, Perth Glory will be high on the agenda. Um, the latter at the moment, well, when we were here four weeks ago, Perth Glory were sitting nicely in third place. They were talking it up big about possibly sealing that third spot and getting a place at the Asian Champions League. Since then, results have not gone well at all. They've slipped to sixth place on the ladder with two rounds to go. Um, they've taken two points from the from a possible 12 in the last four games. And Blaine, I guess they're, um, those, those hopes of third place are long gone. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite disappointed with the way it's kind of almost fizzled out. Um, it's almost like crawling over the the finishing life of a marathon. Um, things were looking good, as you said. Um, you know, third spot, home final, um, push at Asia, um, exactly what everyone would have been hoping for at the start of the season. But um, now we are pretty, well, well, possibility to even slip out of the, the six by the end of the season. Yeah, so the Wellington Phoenix are in seventh spot. They're four points behind Glory, but they have got a bit of momentum after... A very convincing 3-0 <laughs> win away to Donna's Melbourne victory. Uh, Donna, that was a bit of a surprise result. But from a, from a glory perspective, what's going on here? Because we were watching the, the game uh, against Adelaide at the weekend, a, a one-all draw uh, against a side that's been struggling all season. In the 90-plus minutes, Kenny Lowe decided that when Andy Kyo had a bit of a, an, an injury issue to bring on left-back Mark Warren instead of striker Joe Knowles on the bench. There was also calls for players to slow down the pace when they had a free kick in the opposition half. This was a game that Glory had to win, and, and that's the sort of attitude that's being perpetrated from the sidelines. What's that about? Um... I don't know what to say about Perth Glory, other than the fact that, let's not state the obvious, that their team is quite depleted at the moment. <laughs> that's that's the obvious part. Adelaide have been struggling, but they're also, I find them a very good side. So I don't, I didn't think that Perth Glory were going to come out winning that. So I think they were quite lucky that they drew looking at the team on paper, in my opinion. Um, but... Again, does that go back to not recruiting well? You've brought in one guy to be a injury replacement, considering you're probably going to go into finals. You still have quite a few big names out. So, I don't know, it's a bit of a balancing act for these guys. 
part that disappointed me after the match was Kenny, I'm paraphrasing this, mentioned that they were quite um, underdone. What we saw on Friday night was pitiful. It was probably the worst game I've ever seen us play this season or in the last couple. Coming in underdone doesn't... Doesn't justify. Doesn't justify no, no communication. Uh, it doesn't justify not being able to hit passes from five metres. It was simple, simple fundamental errors. Some players look disinterested. They just, I don't know, their head's not there. They don't want to be there. They're just like, screw it either way. If we're going to finish fifth or sixth, it's going to make a difference. That's the impression that I got from what I was watching. And that's the impression I got from the last few games. Um, plays bickering on the pitch. So it could just be, uh, I don't know. Has Kenny Lowe got another contract? No. Is he okay? So this well, is the end of it. Well, if he, oh, I'm not sure if he's got another year. But you'd have to say if we if we do happen to miss out in the finals, he's gone surely. Yeah. Well, four weeks ago I said that anything other than a home final, anything less than a home final, had to be deemed a disaster. Yep. And here we are now on the brink of, well, sixth. You know, are are we content with being? part of the 60% of teams that gets a final spot because look the fi- top 6 6 out of 10 getting the final spot is a joke whatever oh, way you want to look nice. at it so it's it's very easy to dress it up and say yeah we made finals but the fact of the matter is 6th is a bottom half finish oh it's rewarding mediocrity but you know I don't think anyone across the whole league will um, argue with you about that um, where we'd hope for um, and where we will finish up um, uh Contrasting elements. Yeah. I think I picked you guys at the start of the season not to be in the top four, so I'm, I'm getting there. But in saying that, I said Phoenix would make finals, so even, I, even I, it out. could be happening. <laughs> well, I don't think Kenny, Lo- Kenny Lowe's going anywhere, irrespective of um, of how he finishes. I no, don't see any, do I. any signs of it. And plus, he is actually contracted for another two seasons. Oh, he is. Sure. Okay, two. So, okay, so he's going nowhere, guys. <laughs> no, not at all. I don't think he's going anywhere. You'd have to have a payout, the whole lot. And, and obviously then there would be the inevitable worldwide search. Um, no one wants to go through <laughs> that again. So I, I just I just don't see um, I don't see anything changing. I, I just see mediocrity um, being the the way forward. And yeah, they've done, done well with the fan engagement and getting the crowd, crowds up. But... That'll only go so far when the results on the pitch aren't aren't good enough, and that's what we're seeing at the moment. Finishing sixth would be would be pitiful, and I, I I think with the last two games being against Brisbane, who are third, and Melbourne City, who are fourth, uh, I don't see there being more than Glory getting more than one or two points out of those two games. Do we need to look at wholesale changes next season? Um, we say this every Riston, year. Riston's out. He's looked very disinterested since oh. he's signed for Western Sydney. I say this about players, and I think um, Kevin Musket actually came out and said it, that players that are going to leave, don't announce it and say you're going till the season's finished because you're just not going to put in that 100%. And you can see that in Rizzo. He just looks flat and just not interested, just doesn't want to be out there. He's not making the runs that he used to. I don't know whether that's because he's tired and what I don't know like I don't want to make excuses but it's not the rhythm we're used to watching so no, no I agree with you I agree with you it's quite disappointing you know a lot of people have a lot of faith in him being a WA boy and coming through absolutely the club and, um, a lot of people can um, accept the fact that he wants to go to the east coast uh, yeah and definitely try and move around and try and better himself and 
what have you, but he has looked um, rather disinterested. Yeah. Well, speaking of wholesale changes, there's 15 players off contract at the end of this season. So I'll list Jesus. them quickly here. Diego Castro, Joel Chinese, Dino Jilovic, Nicholas Feely, Richard Garcia, Nabojsa Marinkovic, Mitchell Oxborough, Liam Reddy, Jamal Rayners, Josh Risden, Jordan Turtell, Mark Warren, Aaron Williams, Reese Williams, and Lucian Guan. Wow. So there's 15 players there out of the squad that could move to pastures. You know, I think the likes of Liam Reddy will obviously stick around and a couple of the young boys. Yeah, he looks But Garcia, yeah. I would say, is done, move into a coaching role. Castro, I don't think we'll see him again next year. Um, Julbich maybe maybe go around for one more year. Reese Williams, we, we pretty much resigned to the fact that he's off. Um, yeah, so wholesale changes. But, but that's the problem with the A-League and with... It's the merry-go-round. We'll we'll get rid of a few players here it, over to the east coast, and then we'll pick up a few players that have trotted around from, from club Central to club, coast. off to pick up a few Western Sydney Wanderers players who will end up at the Central Coast in a year's time, and that's just how it rolls. And there's no continuity. And if you've got a potential turn, turnover of 15 players in a squad that's only got 20 odd players in it, it makes it very hard to build year on year. And maybe some of that is dead wood and needs to go, but. The squad as a whole like was meant to be really good this year and was meant to be the it best that they've had in X, Y, Z amount of years and all the potential and the talk has gone from you know, challenging for the title to top two to home final to now, shit, we might get in the six. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems to have tailed off massively and that's a general disappointment that seems to be emanating through social media from what I've read anyway. That people are just disappointed at how... How, how it's, it's kind of died in the arse in the yeah. last month. Fizzled out, well and truly, yeah. Where do you think Castro's going to go? You said that you don't think he'll be over I, to the I East think Coast. If, if we finish this season with a flurry and we push for Asia, that's a, I could see him having that as a bit of an incentive to stay around. Asia's done. Ten goals behind Brisbane Roar and six points. Well, that's what I mean. Uh, I mean, when we've done the last pod, we're well and truly you probably in the, race the, for that. You know, in the race. Yeah. Um, but... The way it's fizzled out, I think it's going to leave a little bit of a bad taste in people's mouths, both players and fans, yep. and we'll have to pick ourselves up and do it again. My, my concern is is not being able to find another Castro, because he is he has been absolutely superb and, superb, and he's painted over a hell of a lot of cracks in, in the team throughout the course of the season with the way he's played, and you take him out of that team and replace him with someone inferior, it, it, it doesn't paint a, a, a pretty picture. So. I don't know. It's it shouldn't it shouldn't be all doom doom and gloom at this stage of the season, considering where glory were a few weeks ago. But it's hard to be positive. It's it, to me, it's looking like getting into the finals and it's one and done, and then we prepare ourselves for a long off season of who's staying, who's going, contract talks, all that sort of stuff, and then picking up a few leftovers come September. Yeah. Who are underdone going into the FFA Cup in the season, and then we're back to. Cycle, the inevitable cycle. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, it's hard to be positive, but they've got two games, both at home. So, string six points out of that, and yeah, you can still finish fourth and get that home final. That's possible. Melbourne City, Melbourne City have that at the moment, um, and they're only three points ahead of Glory. But the momentum really is with the likes of Western Sydney Wanderers and Brisbane Roar, who've been playing really well lately. So, I mean, they they, they have they have been performing whereas Glory haven't. And Wanderers last week had a nice three 0 win away to the Jets, who have just collapsed. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. Well, sad. Well, mm. um, and then uh, Brisbane had a had a absolutely thumped Central Coast five one with Perth Glory reject Jamie McLaren netting an eight minute hat trick. 
Um, <laughs> looks like the Mariners could be nailed on uh, for another wooden spoon, which is what everybody tipped at the start of the year. So they looked like they were going to prove everyone wrong for for a while, but uh, now it's yeah, order has been restored with them sitting at the bottom of the table, two points behind the Jets and Adelaide. At the top of the table, Sydney FC got over the line and sealed the uh, the Premier's plate. Any thoughts? Oh, it wasn't surprising. They've been by far the best team this year. Um, you know, guys like Ninkovic, um, Ryan Grants have just stepped up where previous seasons they haven't. Arnie's just got them working really well. Um, they'll obviously won the league. Interesting to see if they go on with it. Obviously, with the finishing top, they'll get um, all the advantages there. Um, but yeah, no, well deserved. Well deserved for them to finish top. Yeah, they've been unbelievable haven't they? So going into the finals, I'm yeah, worried. I'd be worried whoever's going to face them. And what about this um, this massive story this week of Graham Arnold instructing one of his players to get oh. a yellow card so he could be suspended for a meaningless regular season game as opposed to finals? Oh, it's a non-story. It's absolutely non Slow, slow day in There's the news. It's like, get over it. Yeah. Absolutely. I was laughing. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> That the article was released. I've done it myself and told people to do it. Yeah, so it's whatever. It's like, smart. It's, it's, it's smart. very it smart coaching. Um, yeah. So people just need to get over it. I think the problem is Arnold comes out and he's quite vocal with some of the things that he says. You know, look, there's a time and a place yeah. to do it. On the sideline is probably not the right environment to no. do a halftime in the dressing room. But then again, there's cameras in the dressing room at halftime these days people anyway. Are watching so. Him. Yeah, he's we, not stupid. He knows people hearing him and watching I don't think him. he cares either. I'm no, sure he really. There's three nil up at home to Melbourne City. The title's in the bag. They've got bigger fish to fry, and you know if we didn't have this silly final system, then there'd be no need for him to tell his players not to get booked. Exactly. Um, anyway, uh, speaking of non-issues, the uh, the story today about the uh, changing of the trophy. Farewell toilet seat. Apparently, the uh, the A League media guys, in their wisdom, have decided to ca- uh, to, to canvass the opinion of people on whether the, the toilet seat should go. Because we don't have enough issues going on in in Australian football that we're Sorry, worried just, about the toilet seat. I've just woken up. I can't that believe is that's even a even an issue. It's probably the least of the worries of any supporter. Well, I like the trophy because it's it's unique. It's it's, it's different. It's 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 got something to it. It's been the trophy for. A decade now and just to, to tear it all up and so again the idea of of building continuity and building a brand is based on recognition not on getting rid of something that is recognized and replacing it with something generic which is essentially oh, what will happen absolutely you ask people to uh, draw a rough picture of the fa cup they'll they'll be able to draw it you know yeah, what i mean that's exactly same right. as the a-league trophy most football fans in australia will be able to draw you the a-league trophy yeah to get rid of that, you're taking away the branding and the recognition, as you said. You replace it with, uh, a, a, yeah, something that looks similar to majority of what you see elsewhere. I think they're just bored. They're just bored and want to try to. I think it's a deflection. Get to us be away oh, from the real it's, issues, it's, exactly. It's a deflection. It reeks yeah. a deflection. To but me. it's not going to um, work because. <laughs> yeah, other issues we'll, which we'll get to, which uh, they're certainly trying to um, shadow. Well, one other thing that's coming in this week and is video assistant referees, where you're going to have people up in the booth. Watching games and deciding, um, yeah, deciding if it's something's a goal, if it's a penalty, red card, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. Some complaints saying it's going to slow the game down and ruin the magic of a goal celebration when it takes 45 seconds to tell someone that they were actually offside. 
And then on the flip side, you've got people who are saying that um, it's going to be good for the game because it'll it'll uh, it'll make up for some of the mistakes that we're seeing officials make on a weekly basis. I've got no problem in goal line technology. Got no problem in that at all. But Maybe other not. ones, um, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, I've I've always been of the opinion they should have brought in a second referee before they bring in technology for certain decisions. Um, and get them to virtually track up and down the, the channels on the opposite sides to the line is similar kind of style to what happens in basketball, just up and down the, yeah, up and up down and down the, the pitch. Line, yep. and certainly what you don't see, um, what one referee doesn't see, one might pick up and vice versa. Um, I think we've, we've got to keep a human element to it. I think that it's definitely... I like the human element. I like yeah. the shit that comes out. I like the mistakes. Oh, there you go. Mistakes are great. Yeah. If everything was just robotic and it was uniform and everything went smoothly, that would take half the fun out of it. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I love seeing people go mad when their team is has a goal disallowed when they were clearly onside, or you know when a player gets away with being sneaky with a sneaky handball in the line and doesn't get red carded. What about Thierry Henry against Ireland? It happened. It, happened. <laughs> it happens. It was annoying at the time, but now yeah, it is what it is. It's football. If you take that that out of it. You lo- I think you lose a lot of the game. I think you lose a lot. And it, it also disenfranchises people at lower levels even more than they already are. Because uh, the, the, the connection you have with, with, with football is that, you know, it's, it's a simple game. It's a ball. It's 11 men on each side and you are women and, and you kick a ball around for 90 minutes and whatever. And then the Germans win, as Gary Lineker said. But it's all, it's, it's, the principles are all the same. But you start adding in this technology and you start doing this. Now, and I know there are already improvements in the professional game that we don't have at lower level but this just takes it a step even further you know and, and I've seen some horrendous refereeing at, at amateur and at, at MPL level and all of that And but it's football it's it's part of fun really yeah. and it gets people talking and it's conversation around the water cooler and all those cliches but you take you take the, the human element out of it completely uh, you're also going to have referees less interested in making the tough decisions because they'll be afraid of being proved wrong well, that, that, and that happens in cricket um, quite a bit. You just find them at every single decision. They're going upstairs to get it reviewed mm. instead of making a, a you know grabbing yeah. the balls and making a decision, which primarily they're there for. So yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of worried that Australia is, is and the A League are bragging about them being the you know the first to do this and the pioneer. Being the first to do something is not necessarily a good thing because you're the one that's going to suffer from all the mistakes and yeah. the the amount of time it's going to take to review things and whatnot. So. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be interesting, but that all kicks off this weekend on Friday night. Uh, Melbourne City and Adelaide United is the game that it, that's going to start at all. So um, there'll be centralised group of people reviewing all the games. So the, the rest of the fixtures this weekend, you got Wellington and Sydney on um, on Saturday. Western Sydney hosts Melbourne Victory, a fairly big game there. Glory in Brisbane, obviously the big one for us, and um, the battle, the, the derby that no one gives a shit about, uh, the Central Coast Mariners and the Newcastle Jets, <laughs> um, the battle to avoid the spoon. He is three I mean, derby. It's, it, I, I said it, <laughs> I used it, that as the example. Every time people talk about expansion and saying that we don't need more teams, there's only so many more times I can watch the Mariners and the Jets play each other. And it'd be a true blue bloody hangover game on a Sunday. Well, they're doing a testimonial match before, isn't they? Legends and F3 Derby Legends yeah. game just before. Imagine if it had been a relegation battle. Imagine. Yeah, it would have been crazy. The hype around. Mm. Instead, it's, you know, everyone's going to sleep until 2 o'clock when they get home. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're playing to avoid a trophy that doesn't actually exist. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that disparaging note, 
we'll uh, we'll wrap up part one there and then come back with more discussion in a moment. You're listening to the Far Post Perth, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to the second part of the Far Post Per podcast. We're going to turn our attention to the Socceroos because they had two World Cup qualifiers in the last week or so. Uh, a one-all draw away to Iraq and was followed up with a 2-0 win against the United Arab Emirates uh, in Australia. So four points from possible six. Leaves the Socceroos third in the table behind Japan and Saudi Arabia with two games to go. Those two games are uh, at home to Saudi Arabia in June and away to Japan. Blaine, when is that one? Three to go, mate. Three to go. Thailand. Thailand as well. Oh, that was terrible. Uh, forget about Thailand. Yeah. Yes, there's three to go. We've got Thailand <laughs> as well. And th- those two games are later in the year. They are August and early September. September. Yeah, cool. So three games, three points behind the automatic qualification places. The third place team goes into a playoff against the third place team from the other group. And the winner of that goes into play the fourth place finishers Fifth, fifth place, fourth place finishers of CONCACAF, and currently in that position, it's the United States. Correct, correct. Boom, off the top of the head. Well done. Okay, so the two <laughs> games, we had uh, a draw first, a win. Um, lots of talk about Ange Postacoglu's tactics. As I said on Twitter at the time, it looked like uh, somebody who was about to get the sack in football manager and was going <laughs> gung-ho with random players placed in positions in the hope that something would click. And it clicked. They won 2-0 against United Arab Emirates, but the um, the performances weren't particularly inspiring. No, they weren't, especially that first one. Um, kind of up 1-0, and now, I mean, they're the kind of games that you need to... To bury. Absolutely grind out, get the win. Um, not all doom and gloom, obviously, a draw away, the old adage, you know, kind of draw away, win at home kind of thing will get you there. But was but it really a good win? The sec- like, It was 2-0, but was it really that great football? No, because I, I think it. I think it. What it did was paper over some cracks. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've been quite vocal about some underlying issues that have been going on elsewhere. I, I, I didn't mind Andrew's tactics and the change up in formation. Stuck with so. All right, and there was a few new uh, new faces. Um, I got has got some game time. Very brief. Um, Jackson Irvine. Stake the claim for a regular place by getting on the score sheet. He's been in good form at club level as well. Um, still lacking that goal scorer though. There's nobody, nobody really that you can see being a, a ninety minute fox in the box type player. That's that's going to run Jamie defenses ragged, ragged. Well, who should be picked? <laughs> that's that's the obvious thing. If you're going to if you're going <laughs> to include young players in the squad that are not going to play any minutes whatsoever and are only there for experience, well. I would suggest that for a World Cup qualifier, you don't waste it on a spot on someone like that. You bring in a striker who could actually do something for you. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's similar to what England have done with Jermaine Defoe. They've got a player who's on form, who scores goals, and they've brought him straight into the squad, and they've used him. I don't see why Jamie McLaren, who's in a, a similar vein of form and doing it at club level, isn't uh, isn't part of even the extended squad. It's bizarre. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's, if you look around the world, he's the only Australian player that's really banging him in. Um, we did have Taggart a few weeks back, who seems to have fallen off the pace a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, Leckie pops up every now and then, it's got a belt-in header. Um, but all of our goals seem to be, for Australia, seem to be coming through the midfield. Um, when we have scored goals, obviously we've had, yep. I think it was four one-all draws. 
um, which is obviously not enough to be able to get you to a World Cup. No, I, I agree with Neil. You're going to um, bring someone in just for experience. Is it really worth it? Let's bring somebody in that can actually get the job done. And I can't see why Jamie isn't being picked. You know, you've got the likes of Robbie Cruz, who I don't think should be in the starting eleven. That continues got dropped in the second game. Wasn't in the starting eleven, but I was baffled to see him play. He's still getting picked, and I don't. I don't rate him anymore. He's game Sadly, I don't rate him anymore. There's a story in the week about him um, he didn't... leaving Leverkusen. So, yep. um, yeah, I can't see where. I think, does he need to come back here and reset? Or does he go? Works for Troisi. You know, it, it can work. But, yeah, is he going? Troisi was fantastic that second match. Um, yep. Probably should have. Popped away. I mean, we could have, we could have really. Um, he could have buried them if you wanted oh, to, but he didn't. <laughs> yeah, he um, missed the target a couple of times. And, Back to target practice, but yeah. yeah, no, he was brilliant. And again, that just comes down to, um, you know, actually playing. How many games has Robbie Cruz been playing? Well, I mean, Ange <laughs> did have this philosophy that he doesn't care play. which, yeah. yeah, which level you're playing at, as long as you're getting playing. game time. Yeah. But I don't know where that's know. really come in, unless it just kind of fitted in with his new model of, you know, stacking the midfield and. Yeah. This and that. Um, Brad Smith was quite handy. A lot of people slated him. No, I was quite. I was impressed quite with him. impressed. Yeah. Um, absolute workhorse. Probably, probably got the biggest engine in the side. I reckon the way he gets up and down the planks there. Um, Jackson and for I me. I thought uh, where Ange did go wrong was obviously playing three at the back. You want those wing backs and guys like Brad Smith to get back because it leaves you leaves you guys pretty um, light on at the back. That was probably the only place we, we really went wrong, and I think we could have possibly got six if we had have gone with those tactics, especially Absolutely. late on against Iraq away. Yep. It was a bit of a hectic period coming up for them in June. Got the World Cup qualifier against Saudi Arabia on the 8th. They play Brazil in that uh, that friendly over East, and then they go to the Confederations Cup with games against Germany, Cameroon, and Chile. So that's all in the space of two weeks. Um, to just yeah, just over two weeks. So, be interested to see what sort of players get picked for the Confederations Cup and that kind of thing. Because you'll have a lot of um, A League players, for example, their season will be over about what, six to eight weeks before that, so they won't exactly be in prime match condition. And um, with the season finishing earlier than it does in Europe, so the end of May will be when the final European games wrap up. So you know you might you might get a situation where there's a lot of underdone A League players going over because the um, that's the opportunity that they're given to prove themselves, which is probably a little unfair. Well, the PFA won't like me saying this, but why aren't we getting guys in the off-season in a camp leading up for four weeks? I know these guys are on holidays and it's holiday times and this and that, but yeah, you but want to play in the national these, team. <laughs> exactly. You want to play in these big tournaments and world-class tournaments and what have you. Um, I'm, you, see, oh. you see the Asian countries, um, Iraq and UAE, they get in camp. Weeks. Yeah, you and, want to play. And what's four weeks out of a six-month off-season anyway, sure. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> exactly. All right, Donna, over to you for some uh, some good charity news. Yeah, absolutely. So Perth Glory um, have always been a huge supporter of DT38 from when they have formed. Uh, I'm a proud board member of the foundation. So Perth Glory this week have dedicated their match, um, called it the Awareness Round for Testicular Cancer. So for those that don't know, April is Testicular Awareness Month. So there'll be a lot of stuff going on in the paper and the news and whatnot. Uh, so just come on down, um, support the 
support the boys, but support the foundation as well. You can always jump onto our face, uh, the DT38 Facebook page. Um, purchase the book if you've got any kids out there to you, know, you want them to be aware of what's going on down there. Um, there is a book that our managing director Natasha Evans has written called Dig, and it's about Dylan Tombi's life and his, you know, his way um, explaining to secure cancer and what had happened with him and his. Um, so come on down we're going to be wearing our dt38 gear supporting the foundation uh, go down to the statue take your photos upload them to the facebook page because we love to see everyone um support the boys and obviously um there's perth glory's got a promo this week about taking your mates to the game if yep, you remember that's right yeah um hit up the website the perth glory website for that one yeah so perth glory are doing a lot to bring in the fans in the last couple of games so uh, and if you want to find us we will be doing our fan engagement um, segment down by the members wall again so come and say hi cool all right that'll do us for this segment welcome back it's the far post perth powered by outside90.com Okay, welcome back to the final part of this edition of the Fire Post Per Podcast. We're going to turn our attention to matters local, um, very local, sticking around in WA for the majority of this. There's been plenty of action in the NPL. There's also been FFA Cup games. and We'll start there because there's uh, the draw has been made for the next round of games, which, is, which are going to take place on uh, Easter Monday. So it's round three in WA. The big boys have come in from the NPL. And it's it's thrown up some tasty fixtures and potential for some surprises. Uh, just to, to call out a few of the games that, that probably are interesting to most. Um, the, the I guess the glamour ties are Perth Soccer Club against Inglewood. Uh, that'll be a, a tasty one. Then and Bayswater and Floria is the meeting of two MPL sides as well. Uh, looking at possible upsets, you've got uh, Wembley Downs from the Amateur Premier League at home to Sterling Lions. Now Sterling haven't been fantastic this season um, and Wembley have just claimed the amateur night series I've seen them play three or four times so far and they're they're a good side very solid and like to get stuck in so there's potential for an upset there and Gwellop uh, Moneybags Gwellop are going to be hosting <laughs> uh, Balcada at, uh, at, at their their ground and I think I reckon the way things are going with, with Gwellop and the players they're attracting I've no idea why they're attracting players. Couldn't couldn't possibly think of a reason. Um, but they're playing Balcada, yeah, and, and could possibly do them. Uh, will you be heading along to any FFA Cup games, Wayne? Yeah, I'll need to have a proper look at the fixtures, but um, I'll be sure to get down there and um, do a bit of a report at one of them. Um, We're I'll heading to, uh, to Kalgoorlie for Boulder City against Joondalup City. Should be a big one. Mate, <laughs> Make let's the do trip. it. Let's go down there for the weekends. <laughs> yeah, the so old Exchange I'm, Hotel, boobs and sure, um, Put Kalgoorlie. it on the expenses. Would be amazing. I'll just not go to Melbourne and go to Kalgoorlie. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, Shamrock Rovers didn't travel there in the last round, and I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Lipsy just saying no, no, thanks. It's too much effort. Um, considering it's on a Monday, day before work, all that sort of stuff, it's a bit, Long it's a bit much. Yeah. Um, another game, maybe a chance of an, a, a bit of an upset, be Wanneroo City hosting Southern Spirit from the Amateur Premier League. Um, all the best to Woodvale from the Amateur Division 4 league who have drawn NPL leader Sorrento. Oh, God. So, maybe get your abacus out for that one. Um, <laughs> good luck, yeah, good luck to them. They're, they're going to need it. Uh, so, that they're all being played on Monday. So, if you're uh, on the Monday, so if you're around, there's uh, there's some good games all across Perth. And, uh, yeah, it, it, 
much better than going to work on a Monday anyway. Go watch some football. Uh, into the uh, the MPL itself. Just going to go have a look at the table at the moment. Um, Sorrento, as mentioned, their table toppers, 17 points from their seven games, five wins, two draws. They've scored a whopping 26 goals, which is 10 more than uh, Inglewood United, who have the second most goals scored. So they're Jesus. absolutely flying at the moment. Uh, they had a nice 2-1 win over Perth at Percy Doyle at the weekend, uh, which which saw them um, extend their the margin on Perth, who are now third, and that, that gap's now four points. Florida Athena, Athena are in second. They had a good 4-1 win over Subiaco. Uh, Coburn City are in fourth, so they occupy the final spots at this stage. Inglewood United beat uh, Joondalup United. Boo. Um, Joondalup's first loss of the season, that was 5-2. There was, uh, oh, I think four or five Joondalup players missing, so that's the excuse we're going to go with. But otherwise, uh, <laughs> otherwise, it's been a good start to the year. So um, Joondalup host uh, Bayswater this weekend, and Bayswater are, are level on points. So that should be a fairly competitive game. Going down the table a little bit, Sterling Lions, as mentioned, with the FFA Cup are starting to find their feet a little bit. They had a nil-all draw with Perth Glory Youth, but still not where they'd want to be at this stage. And then you've got Armadale. Um, Armadale had a great win, 4-2 away to Mandra, who are yet to register a win of their own. They're rooted to the bottom of the table on two points. So the way things are going, it's, it's very tight. Between 5th and 13th, there's only three points separating them. And Blaine, you've been taking in some games lately. Is that a fair reflection on the football that you're seeing as a whole in the sense that it's all very tight between a lot of teams? Anybody can beat anybody, oh, except absolutely. Sorrento, who can't be beaten. Well, absolutely. No, um, I think you're right. There's a lot of clubs in there that are yo-yoing from week to week. Um, Sterling Lions, I think they'll be very disappointed with where they are. Um, I think they should be kind of pushing a little bit more with the Machewski brothers and those kind of players. Um, they seem to rely on those boys every year, though. It's always about, and they're great, like Dave's great, and so is Daniel, but that seems to be the going trend. Wherever those boys go, it's let's focus on them. They'll lift the rest of the team. And um, Sterling have that habit of doing that with them at the moment. So Yeah, I also think Bayswater will be quite disappointed with where they are. Oh, um, the... Everyone's kind of had them as the front runners this season. With the squad Sorrento, that they have. Um, I saw them play against Inglewood um, and had a chat to Jamie Hunwell after the match. And their goal difference this season is phenomenal compared to where they came from last season and they struggled to score goals. So um, they've definitely been working hard on that and um, guys like uh, Sean Cannon has been um, banging them away. Yep, so that's the uh, makeup of the table at the moment. Um, which game are you going to this week? Uh, this week? Um, who's on this week, Neil? Well, I thought you'd do your research and have a game picked by now, but all right, we've got Perth and Inglewood. Perth and Inglewood, Saturday, 3 o'clock. That could be a, a contender. ECU and Subiaco, Sterling Lions and Armadale, Junlup United, Bayswater, uh, Mandra City and Coburn, Floriot and Balcata is Saturday night at 6 o'clock, and then the Sunday game is Glory and Sorrento, so probably yeah. Perth and Inglewood. Can't do the maybe. 6 o'clock game. You've got the Glory at yeah. 8. Well, well, that's right. So we'll to, <laughs> just I'll to remind you, just in case. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a few a few good games there, so that's um, that's this week's fixtures. All right, that's the NPL stuff. So we'll move into the politics. Always a fun topic. Um, I may be slightly sarcastic there, but we have to talk about it because it's it's been the the topic that's gotten social media buzzing over the past week or so. As Football West Chairman Liam Twigger was re-elected to the board at the annual general meeting last week, Friday, Friday, Friday just Thursday. Gone? Thursday. Yeah. All right. So there was a. There was a general meeting, um, 
before the AGM where there was a change to the constitution to address what Football West described as conflicting elements and these changes allowed uh, Liam Twigger to stand for a third term and he was subsequently re-elected so the constitution previously stated you can only serve two terms now he's back in so figure out you can, you can draw your own conclusions as to what happened in in, in that process uh, the bottom line is he's in and um, yeah nothing really changes at the top there's been a lot of a lot of people annoyed over the past probably six months or so we had the MPL drama with the promotion relegation last season um, and the Jim Lupi United and Mandra getting up to the to make it a 14 team league and then other teams being compensated for the extra fixtures all a bit of a, a fuss that was caused by a loophole in the competition um, which is now being reviewed and still hasn't been done there's also even at a lower level the amateur cup kicked off last weekend well it should have but the uh, fixtures were cancelled because other teams had pulled out but the masters cup and the metro cup still went ahead and there's no competition rules on the football west website for people to consult so you don't know whether your game goes straight to penalties um, if you have in amateur football for example you don't know if you play in a first team game are you then cup tied for your reserve team if your first team gets knocked out can you play for the reserve side how many games last year if you played 10 games for your first team you then couldn't play for the reserves previously as soon as you stepped onto the pitch in the cup for the first team you were cup tied for reserves so nobody really knows what's going on and those uh, those games in in the amateur cup and the other cups are being played on Easter Monday as well. So we've basically got about ten days, um, ten to twelve days before the next round, and there's no competition rules. So all in all, it's it's a little people are are screaming incompetence on Football West part. They are revamping their website, and it's bit by bit content is being re-added that was previously there. So it's going to take a while, obviously, to get that done, but. This whole governance thing and, and the way it's all been uh, all been portrayed, it's not painting the organisation in the best of lights. So I think it's fair to say, Blaine, and you've taken quite a big interest in it and um, have rant material prepared. <laughs> rant material. Yeah, no, I think um, obviously there's um, plenty of people came out on social media and the, and the likes uh, last, last Friday after the Thursday night's meeting. And there's a lot of people um, quite displeased with um, the way that the um, decision came to let Liam Twigger uh, stand uh, on the board again and subsequently um, up for re-election as a chairman. Um, to me, it kind of reeks a little bit of when Stephen Lowy... Um, kind of slid into Frank Lowy's kind of thing. It's a... Um, Sounds very wrong, but okay. Oh, <laughs> into, the, into the chair position, there you go. Not in the other position, the chair position. Um, so, you know, it's there's a there's a bit of a uh, theme there of kind of moving the goalposts to, to, to suit. suit. Um, what is it that, and I probably should know this, but I'm not, what is the... What is it with Twigger that people don't want him to sit this? I understand the rules that he's not supposed to be in Walton. Well, I don't think anything, anyone's is, got any okay. kind of malice or uh, right. personal issues. But they just want to see but someone... But the thing is, is that it was against the constitutional okay. rules. And they've, and they've had to have, um, have the standing committees and the zone reps okay. and so it's the, nothing, the members of... Nothing towards him. It's a fact that it's just... Well, that's as far as I can see what, it. Yeah, as far okay. as I can see it. I mean... People will criticise what's he done for the game and this and that in his past. Right. You know, of course. And that, yeah. that's, you know, that uh, criticism is justified. Yep. You know, you can yeah, question yeah, that, what kind of job yeah. people are doing and this and that. Uh, no dramas in the world. 
But as I said, I think people are getting a little bit upset with the the, cha- the moving of the goalposts to, to suit. Um, it's, also, it's, the, it's the disclaimer that um, things can change at football less at discretion. discretion. You know, it, it's, it leaves that, that opportunity for the association to say, look, yeah, that happened, and yeah, it's part of the rules, but we don't really like it, so we're just going to do something else. Correct. And, and that's, that's the, right. the thing that people don't, don't particularly like, because things could change at the drop of a hat, and, be, and, and other, other, other plans can be thrown out the window. So I, I understand it completely from that perspective. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a tough one. Uh, but it, it's, it's part of a wider problem, and Blaine, you're going to talk a little bit about... Um, I guess the the FFA governance of football as a whole, which then kicks into FIFA. It's a, it's a global thing, not just tied to our little uh, our little bubble in WA. Well, it, unfortunately, the lack of vision and leadership seems to be a rolling theme in this in this country in football, and it has it has been, and it pops its ugly head up every now and then, and it seems to be well and truly waving its arms around at the moment. Um, there needs to be leadership in this country in terms of having a direct direction and vision in where we want to go as a game. And this isn't FFA, this isn't Football West. I mean, this comes right down to the grassroots and clubs and, and what have you. Um, I've done a little bit of a piece earlier in the week about, um, actually last week, about there's a lot of themes going around of people making decisions to suit themselves rather than um, within the, the, for the greater good of the game. Um, uh, people will also question the going back to um, Football West about the decision made to split the MPL juniors yes. into separate uh-huh. divisions. Yep. Which Blind yeah, Freddy can say that's not a good it's not a good idea, but unfortunately the people that make the decisions are making that with their judgment and probably got a possibly got some blinkers on in terms of having a look at the the greater good of the game, and obviously that decision would have to split it evenly north-south uh, geographically would have um, raised everyone's standards rather than just the select few. Right. So, uh, I mean, that's where we're at. Um, Simon Hill's come out with a um, with a article today um, to do with the Congress at FFA level and what the clubs and certain member federations are um, are chasing. Um, as it's been understood, the FFA has offered nine uh, spots plus three to the clubs and plus one for other stakeholders. Um, the club association um, aren't happy with it, they're pushing for more. So we're in a little bit of a uh, standoff here where FIFA is still breathing down FFA's necks and we need to come to a decision because it could all start blowing up and getting even more ugly than it is. Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's there's a threat from FIFA, but I don't know how real these these threats are. It's one set of gangsters threatening to oh. you know, to, yeah. to do another. It's, As do you was believe it? Before the thing, the irony of the of FIFA telling uh, someone Everyone else to get their get house, in, house yeah. in order is uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll believe I'll believe any of it when I see it, but. It's it's all for the, um, the good of the game and all this sort of stuff that we hear. But well, you know, that's what they, that's the... how they that's how they they portray it. And yeah, I just I just 
don't see the um, the bigger issues being tackled with any sort of depth whatsoever. Too busy trying to decide whether they rename a trophy or get a new trophy, and then actually dealing with with problems. And there are plenty of problems. I mean, it, it's not perfect, and it's never going to be if. If if people are sitting on their hands and asking for delays and asking for extensions and deadlines and whatnot, if you've got something to do, just get it done. You, you put the time and effort yeah. into it. Um, it just feels uh, the the key word, I guess, in in all of this, and it's football as a whole is transparency. It's something that we haven't seen from um, from from organisations right across the world. It's it's like they have something to hide. Maybe they do, and they don't want us to know. But that's the that's the perception that's being portrayed. Uh, by, by actions so until something actually con- something concrete happens and the house does get in order well I'll, I'll continue to remain cynical about it and not believe that anything concrete or anything worthwhile is being done oh, absolutely you know there's some fantastic people around the game and there's some some fantastic people that have the have the right intent but um, until it's transparent like you said you know that they're pushing towards a towards this goal um, people are going to sit there and they're going to shit can all day long because they, see, they see just can't see the yeah. evidence of anything progressing. Um, and to me, that's the that's the reality of it, and that's why people get up in arms at the FFA and at Football West and and what have you. So you know, I mean, this isn't this isn't a um, kicking anyone um, exercise that we're we're having here. It's a simple discussion that we um, you know we'd just like to see a little bit a bit more done uh, in terms I, I, don't, I don't believe I don't think anyone's looking for um for to to reinvent the wheel overnight even uh, simple things at football west level have your competition rules on your website a more month before the season starts at FFA level come out with a clear plan for expansion and tell us how it's going to happen and how the how the criteria is going, has to be met by the by the relevant parties give us little bits of information that we can digest and and actually see as progress because giving nothing means people are going to come to their own conclusions and that does get blown out of proportion on social media all the time. You see that, but but there's a way to quell that um, that bluster, and that's by giving facts, and cold hard facts and figures. How long have we been waiting for the uh, the expansion criteria now at this stage? Well, I don't even know what is the uh, you know the expansion right. criteria. What what do clubs actually need to get into? Yeah, what do they need to have Les Murray on board to get into? It just seems that every Tom, Dick, and Harry can put an application in, and it becomes a story. Well, even even you go back to minor issues like the um, the fan punishments um, from you know being kicked out of grounds and blacklisted and whatnot. It was meant to be something coming out of that, and you know improved fan engagement, and there was going to be a whole process for appealing a, a ban and whatnot. But where are we with that? over a year down the track. I haven't heard anything about it. Neither have right. I. I haven't heard anything about it. I know people that have had their um, bans rescinded uh, based on other evidence or lack of evidence, but I haven't heard um, an official... I haven't heard an official statement come out no. about it. So, um, again, it's not building trust in the in the people at the top, and that's where they're falling down. The, people don't trust the organisation, so how can we be expected to progress and work hand in hand which is what they keep suggesting to us that everyone works together for the good of the game and whatnot but how can you do that with people that you don't trust so i think that's probably um yeah the bottom line of it all absolutely i mean and fans can be fickle as it is and football fans are make some of us are absolutely and i'll say us because i do think that we're a collective group are terrible and will shit can for the sake of shit can but there's going to be people like that in in, in any sport yeah in any code aspect. But, um, you know, as I said, if we can see a clear and concise plan of where we're going, where we've come from, I think um, I think people will be much more accepting of, of where we're at. Absolutely. Okay, well, I think that will do us. 
awesome. for this week. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Blaine, for Thank the chat. Thank you, Neil. No Blaine. Cool. Uh, yeah, so head on over to the Facebook page if you want to find out more from us or have a chat about any of the issues going on in the game at the moment. That's uh, Farpost Perth. Same for the Twitter handle, and you'll find links to various bits and pieces, including Blaine's uh, content on the Outside 90 website, so be sure to check that out. Um, we'll be back probably around finals time to talk about what is going on with Perth Glory when we find out if, if, if they, they make, the make if they make the six and if they, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that bit <laughs> we out we have hope well, by we yeah. I mean you too not me yeah but care. until then uh, enjoy your football whether you're <laughs> playing or watching and we will speak to you soon thanks for listening to the Far Post Perth powered by Outside90.com Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online.